Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Welcome to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine, a show where we teach you how to survive the things that might kill you. Like plane crashes or crocodiles or cults. Absolutely. And the stuff that just makes you wish you were dead. Like being late for your own wedding or getting food caught in your teeth or family secrets. Shaking in my boots. Shaking in your boots. We better play the song. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine. I'm Danielle. I love that I now suddenly feel like I'm on a radio show. I just, I, you know, I told you I, well, who are you? I'm Danielle. Oh, I'm Christine. Yeah. And? Oh, for God's sake. You got me in my heels. I'm Garen. I had to get you on your heels. I, I was telling Christine when I came in that I, you know, I wake up every day with like a sense of dread, like. Well, uh, gotta do life again today. <laughs> it's just my, you know, natural disposition. And then I put the word uh, death in my wordle today. So that's kind of where I'm at. But I've had coffee, so I'm also a little giddy. So I'm I both. So you, I'm you all got over aspects it. of me. Oh, I yeah, I guess until the next time. <laughs> you know what I'm I'm impressed by people who don't wake up with a sense of dread. Like I don't understand people who are generally yeah. I'm so envious of those people, and I don't think it's like a matter of changing your perspective. I mean, maybe no, it is, but it's I, not I've tried. I've read yeah. things. I think I think I think you're coming. You come into this world with a certain yeah. kind of disposition. Yes, and it doesn't mean you can't improve and and change your circumstances. Of course, but I just. <laughs> I just got generations upon generations yes. of uh, trauma. Eh, trauma is dramatic, but uh, negativity and, and depression. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. some people, well, I mean, I have clinical depression and I yeah. take medication for it and I'm not ashamed. No. Um, but my husband doesn't. Right. He wakes up 
in a good mood. Yeah. And he goes to all of us and gives us kisses and tells us Aww. he loves us and is like chipper. But then I feel bad for our respective husbands because... I think they were the yin and the yang. I mean, yeah. that's, they picked us to, to bring they them. They wanted some depression in their lives. They didn't want to be too happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chuck and Chuck. We got well you done. covered. <laughs> You're not too happy. Speaking of uh, no, nothing that we just talked about. Yes. Segway. I've got a whopper. I know. I'm very excited about this topic. So we've all got our favorites. Nexium. <laughs> Manson, Scientology, mm. Rashnish Purim. Yep. That's from Wild Wild Country. Yep. In case you didn't know. Heaven's Gate. Yes. You've got the People's Temple. I mean, I could just go on and on. Yes. We're talking about cults. Cults. How to survive a cult. What makes a cult a cult, Danielle? Well, should I? Do you want an actual answer or are you going to give it to me? I can tell you. You tell me. I mean, if Hillary Clinton drinks smoothies from an aborted fetus, are you in a cult? If you think that. <laughs> if you are part of the... You mean if you sign up to do it with her? Like if you think... Or if you just think it. Yes, like, I think you're in a cult. If you think Bill Gates puts a microchip in the vaccine, are you in a cult? Yeah. Cult I of mean, thought. Thought cult. Thought cult. Mind control. So I found this excellent piece of writing, actually in Oprah Daily. Um, I don't know I, why I, I said... I don't know what that is. Oprah, I don't know why I said actually, as if Oprah's uh, website wouldn't have good writing. By a woman needs... What? What? Lemonade? <laughs> What'd you say? Center? Social? By a woman uh-huh. named Samantha Vicente. Thank you, Samantha. And it's going to help us spot the warning signs of a cult. So I'm going to drop some of that knowledge on you. Okay. So you can tell if you or a loved one are in fact in danger of a cult. Okay. So I'm going to give you the Merriam-Webster definition of a cult as both the great devotion to a person, idea, object, movement, or work. Uh-huh. And as a religion regarded as unorthodox or spurious. Okay. That's two different. Yeah. The U.S. keeps no formal log of every alleged cult in the country. Up to 10,000 cults currently exist today, according to Steve Eichel of the International Cultic Studies Association. 10,000? Yeah. uh, Internationally. Nationally. In the country. In the country. Jeez Louise. Okay. So a lot of documentaries to look forward to. I mean, I I think I've seen at least a third of those. (laughs) Get your Netflix queue ready. Steve Hassan, Hassan, Steve Hassan, the author of Combating Cult Mind Control, the Guide to Protection, Rescue, and Recovery from Destructive Cults. He's also a former member of Sun Myung Moon's Unification Church Cult, which I think is the, the Moonies, Moonies, right? That's absolutely the Moonies. So he says what really matters is what differentiates a benign cult from a destructive cult, which is obviously the one you want to watch out for. They're healthy cults in the sense that you know what you're getting into. Okay. He uses the example of like the great followers of the Grateful Dead. For example, okay. like they don't control who you talk to. They don't control what you read. They answer your questions honestly. They just make you um, intolerable. Yeah. To deal with. You smell like patchouli yeah. and you have to get one of those bear tattoos. <laughs> oh, that dancing bear. Yeah. Why does that depress me so much, that dancing bear? I don't know. Well, I feel like if you see someone and their pant leg slips up and you see that bear <laughs> tattooed on their ankle. Run to the hills. You're like, I got a lot of information just <laughs> about you. <laughs> their pant legs. Of course it's on their leg. Of course it is. It's on their ankle. Oh, God. With that in mind, yes. here's some warning signs of a cult to watch out for. Okay. Okay, so Steve Hassan, who I just mentioned, he uses something called the bite model. 
which is an extensive list of common methods in four major categories. So BITE stands for behavior, information, thought, and emotional control. Okay. So with mind control cults, there's that hook. You think you're going to improve your life or save children. Who wouldn't want to save the children? Right. And then there's incremental disclosure about what the group is actually about. They only tell you what you think you're ready to swallow. It's kind of like Scientology, right? Where they they like you get a little bit more information the more money you give them. And then at the very end, you're like, wait, so these aliens come down? Yeah. What? They've been planted into people and. Something about a volcano and page fifty. And then by then you've you've they've got all your secrets and you've paid all this right. money and you're like, oh. yeah, that's probably the most obvious form of that because you're literally you're right. It's literally a, um, a progression. Yeah, and it's been years. Yeah. So while you're getting indoctrinated, your critical fac- faculties are getting worn away. That might be through hypno- hypnosis, food, or sleep deprivation, or forcing them to cut off contact with friends and family, which right. is a very common tactic. Here's a small sampling of the many practices that are listed under each subcategory. Okay, you can also go online and read his full bite model if you are concerned. Behavior control. So they regulate your diet through forced fasting. Mm. They manipulate a person and deprive them of sleep. So we saw some of this in yes. Nexium. A lot of this. In, in, in The Vow, if, if any of you have not the seen The Vow. The food control and then the, the uh, volleyball games at three in the yes. morning. Information control. They they minimize or discourage access to non-cult sources of information, TV, Internet, former members, and so on. Mm -hmm. They make extensive use of cult-generated information and propaganda. Okay, there's a lot more, but I'm going to just read a few. Emotional control. They manipulate and narrow the range of feelings. Some emotions and or needs are deemed as evil, wrong, or selfish. They make the person feel that the problems are always their own fault, never the leader's or the group's fault. Again, that makes me think of Nexium, where yeah. he would take the women on the walks at night <laughs> yeah. in that little cul-de-sac, that weird right. place they lived that I was like, yeah. this is the it's worst like weird suburbia place to yeah. be in a cult. Pick somewhere nicer. Jesus. I know there should at least be greenery around. I know. It's so depressing. Um, and, and tell the women how it was like, you're failing. Yeah. Maybe you're not trying hard enough. Exactly. And why was all of that filmed? Oh, because they were making a movie. About, yeah. They were making a, a yeah. documentary. Right. Right. Okay. Emotional. Oh, I just did that. Emotional control. Right. Yeah. Okay. Do your research. Be wary of any group that can't give you straight answers to questions Telling you you'll learn more after giving, paying for achieving something. Right. Right? Okay. Here's something interesting. Hassan points out that any web-savvy organization can game their site or their multiple sites so that they flood the top page of your Google search results. Ah, uh, right. For example, the site New Cult Awareness Network sounds like a watchdog group, but it's actually owned and operated by the Church of Scientology. Jesus Christ. So it probably says all the cults are bad except for Scientology. So yeah, keep that in mind. It's like that. Have you seen that place on? Um, I think it's on Hollywood or Melrose that says like psychiatry kills. Yes, and it's the Museum of Psychiatry, yeah. and it's a Scientology yeah. um, building. And they get you in there, and they're like, "Would you like to have a what's it called? An audit?" Yeah, yeah. Ask for the proof. Another common cult tactic is to deflect skepticism over their beliefs by placing the burden of proof on others to disprove it. So this is interesting to me. They'll say, 
an online claim that top-ranking government, like I'll say to you, Danielle, yeah. did you know that everyone in charge of the government are lizard people? How can you prove that? No, I say you prove they're not. Oh. So you, as me in the cult, right. I'm putting the burden on you to disprove right. my insane statement. Right. Then I look like a crazy person because I'm trying to disprove that there are lizard people in the government. Yes. And that's all, you see that a lot with the whole like Pizzagate stuff. Yeah. Where it's like, no, prove they're not. <laughs> right. And, you're like, and then you do. And then it still doesn't matter. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, it's it's still true. Right. Um, fact check the cult leader. Do they go by their birth name? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's half the people in Hollywood. It's true. But, well, that's but, its own cult. Yeah, that's its own cult, I guess. Why'd they change it? Are there any lawsuits? Do they have criminal records? Have they been involved in previous multi-level marketing schemes? Check every fact listed in their bio to see if they are who they say they are. Do they get way too many women in relation to how attractive they are? <laughs> Again, I think we're talking about Hollywood. Yeah, well, that's true, too. Yeah, that's a good point. Be aware of your own vulnerability. What plays on one person's fears and vulnerabilities won't work on someone else with a different life experience. But Hassan insists that something will work on everyone if they're not properly <laughs> educated. like how to start a cult. We're, keep well, trying. You'll find something else. Yeah, I mean, we. this is also a guide on how to start a cult. Okay, perfect. It's kind of both. Okay, how fast does it take to get someone recruited? 10 seconds if the right variables are in place, he says. So it's like if someone came up to you and said, Danielle, so um, I've got this free workshop you can take, yeah. and it's going to get you a gig staffed on the reboot of Cheers. <laughs> okay, um, I see your point. And you see how anyone could fall for it. You're going to be writing, well, for Ted. Right. Specifically, and all you have to do, you, the workshop's free, right. and then you take it. You're like, yeah, I want that to happen, right? And um, then they're like, okay, so you did great in the free workshop. The next one, you just have to take one more, right? This one's ten thousand dollars, yeah. But you're guaranteed, you're guaranteed happiness at the end of it. So they find out what people's you know deepest desires right. are, and usually it's something very general like self awareness, peace, um, yes. you know, uh, wealth, feel um, better about yourself, right? And I think they do tend to seek out vulnerable people, yeah, i.e., dum dums, yeah, right. Um, and not always dum dums, actually. It's a I. lot. E. Is not the right word. It's it's actually a lot of times really intelligent people. But they say that. But how? I mean, come on. Is it though? I think people can be intelligent and, and also vulnerable. vulnerable at the same time. I know, but like, how many documentaries do you have? Like, I could, I could see it happening a long time ago, but like, how many times do these things have to be exposed before people pick up on it? Yeah, I guess there's just a they lot of people them. who are damaged, Yeah, I would say. Sorry if I'm being insensitive to cult um, members. No, it's okay. Keep drinking your coffee. <laughs> so condescending for no reason that was like as if i'm like you just got me like i'm the in the cult of coffee drinkers is that what you meant no i thought it might like cheer you up a little bit keep drinking your coffee sourpuss <laughs> okay <laughs> whatever Has keep some, drinking your coffee keep drinking your coffee i'll do the show yeah no i meant like i think you are just not quite awake yet oh well you know how you get awake Join a cult. Join a cult. Yeah. Has someone in your life started spouting theories and beliefs that seem not just absurd, but also wildly out of character? Yes. Hassan says... Is that true? Yeah. Like a relative? Yeah. Okay. Hassan says the stress and uncertainty of our current social, economic, and political situations stoked by disinformation that's amplified mm. on social media unchecked 
has put all of our defenses down, Yeah, which leads me to a whole new way cults can recruit. Used to be, you know, they could just throw you in a van. Yeah, right. Right, with shag carpet, like all yeah. Scooby-Doo style. And you next think thing you know- You Scooby-Doo were kidnappers? Well, I'm saying the van, similar- The van is so, used, it's a mystery. I don't know what Scooby-Doo was doing yeah. when on their downtime. Yeah, maybe they were starting a cult. Perhaps. Yeah. You know, and then next thing you know, you're like, oh, I'm this guy's 14th wife. Right. Now, next thing you know, <laughs> next thing you know, bam, boom. Next thing you know, you're this guy's 14th wife. <laughs> now cult leaders don't even need to leave their house. I'm going to talk about the most significant and frightening cultic phenomenon to arise from social media. Cultic. Cultic. Okay. This is from The New Yorker. I didn't use that word. I love it. I never heard of it. It's great. QAnon. Yes. So, according to some observers, the QAnon movement does not qualify as a proper cult because it lacks a single charismatic leader. Ah. Donald Trump is a hero of the movement. Right. But not its controller. But some people think he is, some of the members think he is the leader. True. It's, a, it's very murky. Yeah. Q, the online presence whose Q drops form the basis of the QAnon mythology, is considered a leader of sorts, but the army of gurus and promoters who decode, interpret, and embroider Q's utterances have shown themselves perfectly capable of generating doctrine and inciting violence in the absence of Q's directives. It's possible that our traditional uh, okay. definition. Yeah, so it's like what they're saying in this. This is a great um, piece in New Yorker magazine called What Makes a Cult a Cult, by the way. Um, so they're saying that our traditional definitions of what constitutes a cult organization will have to adapt to the Internet age and a new model of crowdsourced cult. Um, a survey published in May by the Public Religion Research Institute found that 15% of Americans subscribe to the central QAnon belief that the government is run by a cabal of <laughs> Satan-worshipping pedophiles and that 20% believe that there is a storm coming soon that will sweep away the elites in power and restore the rightful leaders. Okay. That's a lot of fucking people. So how did Trump get elected if there's a cabal of Democrat baby eaters who... You know, like, how did that even happen then? Was that the storm? Again, the short-lived storm? You're, you're using logic, logic I know. and we can't use logic to right. these belief systems. It's like trying to apply logic to religion. It's They're two different things. Right. Yet anxiety about the movement tends to be undercut by laughter at the presumed imbecility of its members. Some of the attorneys... <laughs> Representing QAnon followers who took part in the invasion of the Capitol have even made their made this their chief line of defense. Albert Watkins, who represents Jacob Chansley, the bare-chested Q shaman, yeah. recently told a reporter that his client and other defendants were people with brain damage. They're fucking R-word. Oh, that's what his lawyer said? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I just so, didn't want to say it. Got it. No, no, no. Ugly word, but... Yeah. Your, his own lawyer said yes. that. Yes. Well, it is the best defense. I mean, I don't mean using that word. But I mean, yeah, they're they're idiots who were yeah. brainwashed. And um, yeah. So it it's, it, well, we don't want to take responsibility away from them, but it is a smart defense. Yeah. No, he's, he's I don't know. Mike Rothschild, in his book about the QAnon phenomenon, The Storm is Upon Us, argues that contempt and mockery for QAnon beliefs have led people, like us, to radically underestimate the movement 
and even now keep us from engaging seriously with its threat. I, th- I mean, I think it's very threatening. I'm not... I'm, yeah. not, I'm scared about it. Well, my original take was, why are we giving these people air? Because it's it's so stupid and so ridiculous. But that was before, obviously, we saw, you know, the the storming of the Capitol and all yeah. the other. I'm going to call them shenanigans. OK. All the other shenanigans they've yes. engaged in. Well, here's something. The bad news is you're unlikely to talk them out of their beliefs. Right. Which I think we all know that about when people have strongly held beliefs. You're yeah. not usually going to talk them about out of them. The good news is that rational objections to flaws in cult doctrine or to hypocrisies on the part of the cult leader do have a powerful impact if and when they occur to the cult members themselves. So right. when they see it themselves. Right. Rothschild interviews several QAnon followers who became disillusioned after noticing a dangling thread that once pulled unraveled the whole tapestry of QAnon lore. Sometimes it's a fact remembered from grade school that unlocks the door to sanity. Huh. I thought this was an interesting tidbit. So one of the former Scientologists interviewed in Alex Gibney's documentary, Going Clear, reports that after a few years in the organization, she experienced her first inklings of doubt when she read L. Ron Hubbard's account of an intergalactic overlord exploding A-bombs in Vesuvius and Etna 75 million years ago. The detail that aroused her suspicions wasn't especially outlandish. Whoa, she remembers thinking, I studied geography in yeah. school. Those volcanoes didn't exist 75 million say, years ago. I was going to say, it wasn't 75 million <laughs> yeah. years ago. So it's, it's, it's that thing that is a little frustrating is people will say like, well, you have to educate them. But right. it ha- they have to be open to it. Right. It's that thing where it's, it's like talking about people getting sober where you're like, you can't necessarily force them right. into to, sobriety yeah. if they're not ready. That's interesting that a fact is what made her question it. Yeah. Because usually you're just I would just think the response would be, well, what you learned in your grade school books is wrong. Right. Yeah. So, but that's interesting. I do have some tips, though, on how to get someone out of a cult. I love it. Would you like to hear them? I do. Okay. Do everything you can to stay in touch. Right. Okay. If you're trying to persuade someone to leave a cult, supply reminders of the world beyond it by calling, emailing, writing letters. Don't write. Nobody writes letters anymore. (laughs) Sending photographs and maybe even visiting. Although anyone can get lured into a cult, you should visit only if you feel strong enough to resist. This is from a woman named Yanya Lelich, a sociology professor and a consultant. She studies cults. Don't try to forcibly remove someone even if you're gravely concerned. So they used to do right. this in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. They'd get these deprogrammers and yeah. they'd kidnap and hold cult oh. members against their will. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that used, that often worked, but okay. abduction is illegal. Yeah. So the techniques were discredited after a Washington man <laughs> successfully sued his deprogrammer. So now they're saying the preferred method is exit counseling. <laughs> So they just they just renamed it, but you don't kidnap someone. You require you you get therapists, lawyers, friends, and families. It's more like an intervention, right? So you try to get some one on one time. If the person with the person don't harp, don't nag them about their cult. Look, leave me alone about my cult. My cult's it's my cult. life. I'll cult if I want to. Exactly. It may take up to five years for the person to figure out who they are again. So be gentle with them. This is if they get out of the cult. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, it's so that's it's hard. That's the thing you get from that Leah Remini show is it's just such a process because part of them is still which makes sense. Yeah. Part of them is still connected in some way to that. Well, a lot of the I read a lot of stories from people who got out of cults. And one of the things that I 
kept coming across again and again where that people, one woman said she related so much to the Kimmy Schmidt show uh-huh. because of the sort of fish out of water where she yeah. just didn't know how to relate to the world because she right. had been so shut off from everything. That's and great. another person said Forrest Gump where it was like he just didn't connect <laughs> to the world at all. Right. Like it felt like such a foreign place to him. So it does take a lot of time for them to figure out how to even be in the world. It's yeah. like being Amish in a way. And you're probably also very suspicious of everyone. Yes. Because you've been taught to be suspicious and this thing you put your trust in you've just realized is criminal and evil and so how can you trust it anyone again absolutely yeah so i'm going to talk about a cult that is called the fellowship of friends have you heard of it i don't know i don't think so So it wasn't always known as a dangerous cult for a time the organization was primarily renowned as a maker of world-class natural wine okay their renaissance brand has been raved about as a special age-worthy one-of-a-kind wine at the very top tier of what California can produce. Oh. Here in the Yucca Valley. And you can still get it. So there's a Spotify podcast called Revelations that gets into this whole um, doomsday cult. So if you want to listen to it. Yes. And um, it's produced by this guy, Jennings Brown. He spent three years researching this group, visited the compound, spoke with ex-members, and so, check it out. Robert Earl Burton, born in 1939, is a former Arkansas school teacher who reinvented himself in the 1970s as a California guru. He studied the teachings of a self-help movement called the Fourth Way, the idea that one should immerse oneself, oneself in the finer things in life, abolish negative thinking, and live in harmony with dictates given to Burton by his 44 angels. Oh, yeah, sounds good. Okay. Right? I mean, so specific. I want 44 angels yeah. telling me about the good life. He claimed these angels, a who's who of historical greats, including Leonardo da Vinci, William Shakespeare, Dante Alighieri, <laughs> and Benjamin Franklin. I mean, first of all, all white guys, right? <laughs> right. It's a little. Gave well, him instructions. Dante was Italian. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. I mean, probably one of those guys was gay. Um,. Gave him instructions on how his followers should live. Every so often, his angels predicted apocalypse. Burton instructed followers to fund his ever-expanding Galleria, a collection of largely Western European artwork he claimed would one day rekindle civilization. So he had these bizarre demands. This is in the 70s. Athletic activity, humor, eyeglasses, (laughs) mixed-breed pets, and using the word I were all forbidden. Wait a second, wait a second, yeah, wait a second. Yeah. I misunderstood. Okay. Okay, humor's forbidden. Yeah. Eyeglasses are forbidden. Yes. Uh, Mixed breed pets. <laughs> <laughs> Mongrels. Yes. Okay, that's got to be some sort of uh, Athletic white activity. supremacist thing. Yeah. Athletic activity is banned. Yes. And then what's the, and using the word I? Yep. Okay. Women deemed spiritually inferior allegedly were forbidden from getting pregnant. Okay. So he dictated that any member who got pregnant had to terminate. Any member? Well, yeah. So none of the women are spiritually clean? No. And so men would come with their wives because they were in thrall of him. And if their wives got pregnant, he forced them to get abortions. So how would he get more cult members if, I mean, this is like cult 101. You want to grow the cult. I think he, okay, so I'm going to give you some more. Or maybe he was just well-meaning. He was a male-meeting forced abortionist. I think he really was just interested in getting the men. Oh. So 
here's here's what where we're going. This is the direction we're going. Meanwhile, despite condemning homosexuality, Burton was uh-huh. allegedly preying on young, attractive male followers. Okay, here we go. Always targeting straight men. Right. Many ex-members speak to Brown in the podcast about the alleged abuse, some of them giving firsthand accounts of being victimized, and others who knew what was going on, including a woman who was Burton's housekeeper for years. In 1996, a lawsuit was filed by a former member who alleged Burton sexually exploited him when he was 17. And it turns out even his dad was, um, the the 17-year-old's dad was also um, exploited exploited by by him. And then just all these men started coming forward. It was one of those things where it was like, yeah, he did this to me too. So basically, like, he just wasn't comfortable being gay, so he started a cult. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of this is what begin with men who are like, I want to have sex with as many people as I want. Right. And I can't figure out how to do it. <laughs> how do I do this? I'll start a cult. Right. It's so right. much about sexual exploitation when it all so gross. It all boils down to right. sexual exploitation. The suit was settled out of court. OK, then U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement investigated a tip that the fellowship was bringing non-U.S. citizens into the country and paying for their religious visas, intending for the recruits to be in sexual servitude to Burton. Jesus. So he was like, all right, I got to figure out how to get more men in. So he was bribing them with these religious visas. Right. They didn't, I didn't know that was a thing, religious visa. They didn't know they, what they were in for. That started to become under scrutiny. So then he started getting more men from Eastern Europe, like Romania and Russia. Okay. So I'm just trying to get over the fact that you're not allowed to have a cockapoo. <laughs> like no labradoodles for you. Yeah. I mean, so specific. Purebreds. Purebreds. I feel like he was surrounded by those giant poodles. Oh, yeah. 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 The you, standard. Poodle. You got to look at a picture of him and you'll say. Oh, OK. For sure. So <laughs> he just has he has a disco ball following him all the place. <laughs> I hate homosexuality. <laughs> oh, OK. So Garen just showed me a picture yes. of him. He's very um, natty. Is that what they say about well-dressed? Like he, he's wearing like a suit and a like a, a, a yellow suit and a uh, hat. I'm going to use a really old reference. Yeah. But who's the guy from the um, Gilligan's Island? The the, the millionaire? For the yes. Pro- um, Mr. Howell. Yeah, he's very Mr. Howell. Yeah. There is at least one main difference between the Fellowship and Nexium, though. This group is still in operation. Whoa! So, if you see Renaissance wine on your shelf, know what, seriously, know what you are buying. How fascinating! Yeah. He's, so, how are, he's never been brought up on charge, I don't, or is he? He's dead at this point. He's still alive. I think he's like eighty something. He was born in yeah. nineteen thirty-nine. So he'd be eighty-three. So, um, the 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 winery is still in business, as far as I know. Um, the Fellowship is. I mean, you can go to his website and it lists his books and his biography. Huh. And um, so I wonder why maybe there was a statue of love limitations. And the, the religion, it says, according to um, the chief financial officer, Charles Randall, who they talked to in the podcast, it says we made up the religion to cover the fact that it was otherwise Robert doing whatever the hell he wanted. <laughs> so it's it's interesting, like these guys get involved and then at some point the light clicks up. You know, clicks on. They they realize what's going on, but they're still there. Yeah, because maybe they don't know any other life, or they're just as corrupt as he is, or it's just so sick. Yeah. So, but apparently, he produces a damn fine bottle of wine. I mean, it's apparently in the natural wine world, it's a very good wine, and I wonder if I've ever bought this Renaissance wine. And I'll, I'm going to be looking now on the shelf to see. I'm not going to buy it because I don't want to give any more money to this guy. No, but. that's so crazy. Well. Yeah, that was amazing. Thank you so much. Um, Cult. I I will never get sick of them. 
I don't understand how, I mean, I literally read, I read the Kellogg book about the Kellogg creator. Um, you know, there's like a battle between, I'm saying it as if you know. There's these two brothers oh, who started I know about the Kellogg's. Kellogg's. Okay. Yes. And they sort of kind of had a cult, but it wasn't as much of a cult as I had wished it was. Yes. And then I read a book about the Oneida um, silverware. Yes. If you've ever seen, turn over your knife and seen the word Oneida, that's sort of started as a religious kind of cult too. I'm I just like it. obsessed no, with all I'm, things cults. I'm pretty into cults. So we might have to start a second this. podcast on cults. We might. I'm I, sure there aren't any out there. No, no, I don't, I don't think the market is flooded with I'm cult sure there podcasts. Aren't two women in their 40s doing a cult podcast. <laughs> there must no. be a market. Wait, do you think they drink wine? Because we could add that. Oh my God. Do you think they have mommy wine time? Yeah. Shard and mommy. I think we've got something here. Well, guess what? We'll time be, for a break. Yeah. We'll be right back. Can't wait. So we just learned how to survive cults. And now we're going to learn how to survive family secrets man my family's got a lot of them. i know right so i'm glad we've got her here I to tell us my family had more secrets honestly there's i know really too much things i shouldn't know um with julie dixon jackson thank you so much for being here julie thank you for having me and by the way all families have secrets yeah and i know them all and Ooh. you know them all so that brings me okay so <laughs> for those of you who may not know julie from never not funny she's been a frequent guest um she is a performer, musical theater performer, mm-hmm. turned genetic genealogist. Yep. I will, which, yes. Oh, no. So I'm sorry. I just, yeah. I, I want a little bit of explanation yes. for, for me and the audience members who might not understand what that means to be a genetic genealogist. I'm so fascinated. So, well, you'll, you'll, in the story I have to tell you, you will get an explanation okay. of how that happened. Okay. Then um, I can sit tight. You don't want me to? Okay. Well, do you want to say what it is first? or, or Oh, genetic genealogy is using consumer DNA testing to find family members. Okay. And to uncover secrets. I love right. it. Right. Yeah. Well, so let's get into your story. All right. So here we go. So I'm an adopted person. Yes. That is all you really need to know about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was adopted, and I always knew I was adopted. Okay. Um, in my early 20s, I was born in Australia. I was there until I was 15. Um, in my early 20s, there was, I went back there to visit and discovered that there was a new law called the Adoption Act of 1984 or something like that, okay. which allowed adoptees to have their original records, their original adoption records and birth records okay because there used to be something called closed adoption there's uh, there still there's still is, is something called oh, closed adoption. okay and in in most states it's still closed adoption unless there's so, a pre-agreement meaning you can't get the information about who your parent i believe are? that there are six states now in this entire country that allow people human beings to have their personal birth certificate oh wow yeah Okay, but in Australia, in Australia, the the laws changed a lot in the eighties. I mean, okay. there's still I, I wasn't allowed to have my birth certificate at that point, but I got my papers that mm. said my mother's name and her parents' names and her address and and my father's name and wow. her siblings and all this stuff and what she did for hobbies and. So oh, wow. did your yeah. the parents who raised you, mm-hmm. did they not know this information or did they not want you to know it? That's funny. You should ask. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> so uh, all my life, I was told they did not know. Um, very recently, I was looking through my mother's diary and my birth name was on in one of the chapters. 
Oh, yeah. damn. Yeah. Family secrets. <laughs> Family secrets. That's not even the worst of it. So when I found my biological mother, so it was very, I knew her name. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I was in the U.S. She was in Australia. Right. So I, and I knew what town she was from. She had a very common name, Price. I can say it because it's a public information. Okay. Um, and uh, I called this was in the 80s so i called the international operator who got me to the information operator for this town that she was from okay which is about 40 miles from where i grew up and i said give me uh give me the number of anybody named l price and because her name was lynette price and she said well i can only give you five at a time i said okay well give me the first five and i'll call you back (laughs) Later. Why didn't you ask for Lynette if it was? If you knew I it probably was did say Lynette. Oh, okay. Uh, but they, you know, sometimes maybe it's just, just listed as period. Okay, exactly. And also keeping in mind that she's probably married and doesn't go by that name. Anymore, right. right. That's Which the other thing. A right. big problem. Yeah. Um. So I started calling, and I had no idea what I thought I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> she actually really? answered. That's so crazy. So I called, and the first one was nothing. The second one, I think. Unless it was the first, it was either the first or the second. This woman answers, and I said, I'm looking for Lynette Price. And she said, there's no Lynette Price here. My husband's a Price. And I said, oh, okay, thank you very much. And said, I did go to school with the Lynette Price, though. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I said, oh, really? When did you, when was this? And she gave me the year, and I said, that sounds right. Um, Did she... Did she have a lot of siblings? I knew my mother had, from the papers that I had, I knew uh-huh. she had uh, five siblings. Okay. And she said, yeah. And I said, was she kind of tall? My mother was 5'9". And she okay. said, yeah. And she did other descriptions, and it was in the same area. Wow. Yeah. So I'm like, that sounds weirdly, huh, okay. Well, that's good. And she says, you know, you are calling from so far away. Why don't you call back in 24 hours? In the meantime, I'm going to run around town, see if I can find anything about her. I love this. What? Australians will do that. Yeah. Really? (laughs) This is so cool. Yep. Now you have a whole city in on it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, great. I call back 24 hours later and she gets on the phone and she says, Julie, I have your mother's phone number for you. Oh, my gosh. So this woman's father was the one cab driver in this town. My grandfather still lived in the town. My grandfather, Noel, he drove to his house and said, there's an American looking for Lynette. Can I have her number? Okay. And he gave him her number. She is in on the other side of the country at this point okay. in Western Australia, um, but he gave he gave him the number and and that's it Get, without even knowing why yeah. an American was looking for Lynette. They're so yes. trusting. These it people. was the eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's true. So uh, I called and wow. she answered the phone and said and you know just said and i i pictured like all her kids around her i assuming she had other kids yeah um and it's mother's day yeah. and like her face like goes white and they're like what's wrong with mom right. you know uh, right. but none of that happened i said i is is i'm calling for lynette and she said is, is this is lynette and i said i have some personal questions to ask you should i call it another time okay <laughs> and she says no now it's fine and I said, okay, well, did you have a baby on such and such a date? And she said, yes, I did. <gasps> it's that easy. Wow. And she's and I said, well, that's me. Oh, oh my God. My God. Yeah. What were your emotions when she said yes? Um, 
I can't. I, I don't remember. Okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. It was very numb. I yeah. was. It was very like when you're in the moment. Like when I always think of like when I got married. Uh-huh. I don't remember feeling anything. Yeah. Except that my husband's eyes were dilating, and because I don't he was know high. Why. I think he was trying not to cry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just like he was stoned out of his mind. No, it was. I remember looking into his eyes, and and the pupils were like. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> Maybe you were. And high. I was like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> My God, that's hysterical. <laughs> anyway, so um, talked to her for probably about an hour. And You're kidding. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, what was her reaction to you, to you? She was very happy to hear from me. Um, it was, uh, the whole thing was very smooth with her. Okay. And it was, she had, uh, what was interesting was, so her father had called her and said, an Ameri- I just gave an American your phone number. Okay. She's like, I wonder what that's about. And her husband, little Irish guy, says, I say little because he's short. Um, <laughs> shorter than He her. wasn't a leprechaun. He was not a leprechaun. Okay. Very close, close to us. Probably okay. related. Yeah. Um, he said, uh, and he said, it's that daughter of yours. She's looking for you. Oh, he wow. knew. Wow. They were together when she had me. What? Whoa. They started dating. 20 years? When she was pregnant with me. Uh, oh, wow. Oh. Wow. Uh, well, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So she didn't keep you. you beca- okay, right. Yeah. Well, right, because yeah. you see my my trigger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, But she had just started dating him, so she was like, I don't know if I can raise. Was she very young when she had you? Mm, she was 21. Well, it's pretty young to me, but well, yeah, okay. to me too, but not 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 you know, not, not for days. people outside of yeah. our scope of whoops, sorry. Yeah. So okay, so you must have asked her at some point, or am I getting ahead of the story? No, here? I asked her, and uh, here's the thing: you're very. Uh, I was young. It's good that I was very young when uh-huh. I, when this happened mm-hmm. because I was just, and I also had that adoptee fog mindset that I just want people to like me. I don't want to make waves. Oh. I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable because then they might reject me again. <sighs> Mm-hmm. So it was very much, oh, cool, okay. And of course, you're like, oh, everything, it was great that you did that. <laughs> everything right. is fine. Yeah. I'm, I had a great family. I've had a great life. You know, you yes. want to do everything yeah. to make right. them the comfortable. Yeah. Yes. Um, and she told me that they had decided together that they wanted to start fresh and and he and she just I, I don't know wasn't sure whether she could raise he could raise somebody else's baby oh jesus okay uh, yeah and at the time i was like cool cool okay <laughs> right. sounds good yeah i, I didn't take it I, yeah. I, I let it i just kind of what's well, a lot of information to be given i dis yes. i dissociated it yeah um so you know it was a great conversation uh-huh. very like surreal um and uh, I made the connection. Yeah. So six months later, I went to Australia. Okay. I met the whole family. I met everybody in the family, and um, had a had a, a relatively cool reunion. Did you feel a connection in a way that you hadn't to your um, adopted family in the sense where you said you always felt like you didn't like you felt like it was such a mismatch? Yeah. When you met them, were you like? These are my people. Yep. I'm like um, a little bit more, or a little bit, mm-hmm. but not to the ex- to the extent of 
this is my tribe. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that is part of being an adoptee is that you ultimately don't feel like you fit in anywhere. You're not in any world. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. you don't have this history with these people sure. are related to you, but there's no history. Huh. And so it's it, it, it's a it's a confusing. I'm sure. It's very confusing. I'm sure. At that point, I was so overwhelmed by everything I'm and sure. anything my mother had said about my father. I was just like, I just put on the back burner. Sure. But she was basically said all he cared about was himself. He found out I was pregnant and I never saw him again. Oh. Mm-hmm. Which terrible. Which which tracks. Yeah. Um so that was it. And so I didn't I was like I don't even need to know who he is. I don't even need him in my Uh-oh. life. Blah 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 blah. I was 22. So go on with my life. Okay. Yeah. I have done this blah blah blah. Move into my 30s. I get married. I start having babies. And suddenly, (laughs) I have this, uh, this is a pre-coming-out-of-the-fog thing. When I had my daughter, Mike, and I know you both know this, but your connection to them is so intense. Yes. And their need for you is so visceral and, and, uh, you know, it's one of those. Undeniable. Yes, it's undeniable. And I was very much a hands-on. I did attachment parenting. We did the family Uh for a year and a half, blah, blah, blah. It was, and to a point where I think I had an unhealthy attachment Mm. to her because I was, because I was so connected. And this truly is the first person that I'd known from birth that was related to me. Yes. Yeah. So. That's wild. At that point, I started thinking about looking for him Mm. just Mm -hmm. to fill in that puzzle piece. Okay. Do you think also just the birth of your children, it sort of brings up that whole... Yes. It re-traumatizes you in <laughs> a way does. about your own Oh, I was completely past. re-traumatized about my, my own past when, yeah. I had, when I had my daughter, especially. I it think. heals you in certain ways yep. to have children, I think, because mm-hmm. you get to be parent in a way that you weren't parented. Yes. Right. And you also have to relive certain things. Right. You have and, to think about all the yeah. things that you didn't have. And yeah. It's, mo- it's so interesting right. to hear it from your perspective. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, so I asked my mother, I'm like, can you tell me anything else about him? Mm-hmm. His name was, I'll say it, Malcolm Cummings. And I can say that because he is nowhere in social media and he's in Australia. Okay. Now that's an Australian name. Now that's an Australian right? name. Absolutely. <laughs> right? Malcolm. Yes. Malcolm. Mal. Yeah. Mal. Um, and she's like, he was about, you know, he was about like, uh, I don't know, 5'11 and, or 5'10 and, uh, had red hair and really cared about nobody but himself so my mother knew very little my aunt Val knew a lot more and she's the one who told me about the baby okay and was just a lot more forthcoming okay um and I I was I thought it was weird that she knew more than my own mother did about the father of her child. Uh, But did she make it sound like it was a one night stand or like it was a relationship? It was a relationship, but it was one time. Okay, apparently. Um, So, you know, so then I started doing the the ancestry thing, the genealogy thing. Okay. Can I find him in electoral rolls? Because that's how I found. That's oh. how you can find people in Australia. They don't have a census, but they have electoral rolls. Oh wow! Okay. So every four years, three or four years, you can find people in the electoral rolls where they were up until 1980. Okay. I was able to find her. I was able to find my family. Could not find him anywhere. How weird! You're like, so he yeah. doesn't vote either. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's illegal not to vote in Australia. Oh by wow! The way. Wow! Yeah. Compulsory voting. Yes. 
Absolutely. So he's an outlaw as far as I'm concerned. Right. However, there are some sta- there is one specific state, uh, South Australia, that does not release their electoral rolls to the public. Now we're in 2013. Okay. Mm-hmm. 2013, 2014 was when I started to really dive into it. Um, and I was looking uh, so I'd taken a DNA test looked for the name Cummings was nowhere to be found I'm, okay. I'm like and at that point I really didn't know what I was doing with the DNA mm-hmm. okay. um, truthfully there should have been Cummings in my DNA somewhere in there uh-huh. yeah. but there wasn't I, I wrote this woman who had a very extensive tree, and I said, here's the deal. Here's who my father is. Mm-hmm. I can't find him. His mother's first name was this. I don't know her. Ma- and I think his father was this. I don't know her maiden name. I can't find their marriage or anything. Well, I had discovered the one person who knew how to navigate the birth death marriages in oh. the state that they were from. Was it the same woman that you had called earlier? <laughs> <laughs> Prized by marriage. No, no, it wasn't. That's hilarious. That, is, that is crazy, yeah. by the way. Let's just let's not gloss over that. And by the way, I can't yeah, that what that she yeah. Her Let last call, name is call, Price by yeah. marriage, and she's just like, oh, yeah. I just happen to have gone to school with the yes. person with the exact name with you're your, looking for. With That's banana times. Call me back yeah. in 24 hours. Yeah. That I love happens that. to me I love that. more oh, okay. than I'm comfortable admitting. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So she like she said, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking classes right now. I can't really hold on. And then all of a sudden she goes, um, is this what you're looking for? And it was my paternal grandparents' marriage certificate. Wow. How did she get it? I, okay. She just, I was not good at that point. This is before yeah. I'd really learned how to research okay. correctly. All right. Um, and all of a sudden, I knew my grandmother's maiden name. Okay. Front. Okay. So I started calling, huh. and I called, and this time I think it was the third phone call. I said, I'm I'm looking for somebody who was related to uh, Eileen Brunt. Okay. Her maiden name was Eileen Brunt. And the third woman said, well, Brunt is my married name, but I think I remember and <laughs> Eileen, or it was Arlene. Um, Arlene, I said, oh, did she have a son named Malcolm, perhaps? And she said, oh, yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, okay, I need to tell you what's happening right now. And I, I explained to her this time. I was very upfront about okay. it. And um, then she directed me to call her sister-in-law, who was the actual brunt, okay. and to give me more information. And sure enough, that was the right family. Okay. They hadn't seen Malcolm in years, but he lives in South Australia. Last they checked, South Australia does not release yes. the electoral rolls. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I found my sister, who had a slightly unusual name, okay. and uh, and her sister was a friend of hers on Facebook who had another slightly unusual name. Okay. There was their brother, and then there was Kim, K-Y-M, oh. who, was their, who was their aunt was my father's half-sister, and there she was. It was all there. Okay. So I found them, and I was like, well, now what do I do? And I decided this, and he was nowhere to be seen. Uh, I decided that Kim would probably be the best person to reach out to. Okay. So I messaged her on Facebook. Of course, days go by. She doesn't know how to, she doesn't know what <laughs> oh, message yeah, requests right. are, as most, right. most older people don't. Um, 
and I was getting I, I was getting uh, anxious, and so I messaged one of her sons and convinced him that I was a relative and could he tell his mother to please look at her. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Show your mom how to use yes. Facebook. Exactly, exactly. Can you drive to your mother's house so right. you can show her right. on the computer screen what she's supposed to be doing. Exactly. Yeah. So we went back and forth. He's like, she said she can't see it. It was a really a stupid comedy of errors. Eventually, finally got through it. We were texting back and forth. Okay. She's like, oh my God, Malcolm is alive. This is amazing. And this is Malcolm's sister. This is Malcolm's half-sister. Half-sister, okay. Yeah. And he said, this is amazing. I'm going to let him know. Okay. And I will let you know what happens. I'm so close. Yes. So I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. It's like, I'm like, how can this be taking so long? Does she not know how anxious I am about this? Right. What is wrong with her? Uh, she was lovely. Um, but I... Uh, so a few days later, I'm like, hi, anything if you talk to him? And she's like, good news. I just talked to him. Uh, here's his phone number. Whoa. I have his phone number. This is the second time in my life where yes. I have the phone number yes. of the parent right. that I didn't. So uh, I call the number. Uh-huh. And he's, he's driving. So they pull over. His lady friend had answered and pulled over. Okay. He gets on the phone and he says, hello, young lady. <gasps> <laughs> and I said, well, hello. And the first thing he says is, uh, I can't believe your mother didn't tell me about you. I would have taken care of you. I was in, uh, I used to go to America and buy my cars and blah, 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 blah. What? And he's just going off and off and off and off. I can't believe this happened to you. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Nothing happened to me. What is happening? Wow. Suffice it to say. Within a few seconds, uh, so I grew up with a sociopath. I've been in a relationship with a sociopath. Oh, no. I can call a sociopath very oh, fast. okay. Gotcha, wow. gotcha, gotcha. Wow. So he was pathological, and I could tell right okay, away. Okay, well, that's good that you could tell. It's good that I yes. yeah that I yes. grew up with a sociopath. No, that's not good. I'm just saying yeah, I could thanks, see getting Danielle. sucked into a relationship with yeah. someone. Oh yes, who, I am very I'm very much yeah. intuitive and yeah. um and uh, I I'm also a pattern recognizer because okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. another thing that adoptees are a lot of adoptees are is hyper vigilant. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And we read everybody in the room and we project what might happen so that we are prepared. Uh, for how to handle that. Right, if the rug's pulled out from under you. Yes. Okay, so the guy's already on the defensive as soon as you pick up the phone. I, yeah. I would have taken care of you if I had yes. known about you. Yes, okay, right. that was the first thing he said right. to me. He says that, then he says, uh, the only reason, the reason you weren't, wasn't, you couldn't find me is because the government won't let me uh, be public. Uh-oh. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he says, well, I, I'm not allowed to talk about it. It's oh, top secret. Oh, shit. Top secret. But yeah, I'd be at a wedding and all of a sudden a helicopter would come in and I'd have to fly out. Okay, we've seen this documentary. Yes. yes. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I am... N- if somebody is BSing This me, is your tribe. <laughs> this is the people you could have been raised I was by. Like, I was like, well, he's kind of an actor. <laughs> I don't know. So he... Uh, he <laughs> He says, look, and and I didn't want to piss him off because I wanted information from him mm-hmm. because yeah. I wanted the whole truth and I wanted to be able to do the family genealogy. I wanted to know what his parents' names were and I okay. wanted to be. So he said, all right, just, uh, you know, go and go and uh, look up, look up Glomar 2. 
No. <laughs> oh, no. And so, it'll all make sense to oh, you. Oh no! Is this is this like a a Q QAnon situation? What's happening here? It sounds like it. I okay. Well, what it was. So of course I googled Glomar too. <laughs> Glomar something in the late sixties, early seventies was a Russian. Um, of course, so the Russians are after him. Um, was a Russian nuclear sub? Oh my god! That Whoa. had been. Uh, Either either disabled in some way, and the Americans like uh, did something to it. Okay. And his story is that he was hired by the government to go and work on it to do what I don't well, know. He's a mechanic. He's <laughs> a mechanic. Exactly. Yeah, he's this man yeah. who doesn't know how to use the internet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He weren't. He worked on these computers on this <laughs> nuclear stuff. Yeah. Glomar so, too. Glomar the reckoning. Too. Every uh, trust me, you okay. will be fascinated All by right. it. Um, so you're so playing I had the to long sit there time. rolling my eyes way back in my head, hoping for some nugget of truth. Uh-huh. And uh, 45 minutes in, and I'm like, I realize he has not asked me a single right. question about myself, which is super weird. If you just found out you had you fathered have a someone, yeah. 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 Uh, and he's and finally I said so. Anything you'd like to know about me? Uh-huh. And he said, oh, yes. When are you coming to visit me? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Didn't ask him about my kids. Didn't ask if I was married. Didn't ask what I did. Six months later, I have uh, built the family tree out and back and down as far yeah. as I can. Okay. Using, with the help of some of the DNA, but not really, um, because it's not uh, it's not working the way it should work. Okay. So I'm confused. But I've I have discovered murder suicides. I've discovered all these Love things it. on different branches, which yes. is like my favorite thing. So I it's uh, like a, it's like reading a novel, but it's about your family. Yeah, but it's about people <laughs> right. that I'm connected to. It's cool. Um, so I I plan a trip to go back to Australia. I'm gonna meet him. I just want to meet him once. Um, yeah, sounds like say, that's enough. Yes, yeah. to say just so that I can be face to face with him once, then I can move on. But right. I don't. The, this toxicity is not. I don't need in my life. Um, so um, I, I, ha- I was armed with tests while I was there because gotcha. now I was really getting into the DNA thing. And so while I went to visit him his house, I spent maybe three hours there. My sister uh, was with me, the one who he talks to and right. she talks to. And she thought it was hilarious that she would follow us around the house. And whenever she was in the room with us, he would like go to another room because he didn't want her hearing the same, hearing the lies uh-huh. that he told me uh-huh. that, that she had never heard. Oh, boy. And he didn't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he, right, yes. right. He had yeah, a, he, he had, was getting, his he stories was getting, were not going to match up. hilarious. She was laughing because well, at she least, was at like least making him so uncomfortable. She was cognizant yes. and like, you don't have like a cult follower on your hands. Yep. Like, yeah. Yep. So uh, we went through some albums, some family albums. The first one he showed me was just a big album of oil rigs. <laughs> um, he apparently worked Fun. on oil rigs, Sounds but he was not in any of those pictures of said oil rigs, except for there was one where there was a huge fire and there was a silhouette. And he said, that's me. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh-huh. This guy. And then he closes it and presents it to me like, here's 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 your, like fa- here's your family like, legacy. Yeah. yeah. I was like, uh, why don't you keep that? 
So then he oh gets God. other albums out. Now, this time, there's family pictures. Okay. And I've done so much research on the family. I'm able to say, oh, this is so-and-so, and this is so-and-so. Oh, wow. People he didn't know. Right. Wow. And there was a picture of him and my mother. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, my God. So there was a picture yes. of them on a, a, it was a facade of a plane, like they were going somewhere, but it was like a, a post uh-huh. picture. So I now had this picture of both of my parents. Wow. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, but he let me have all those pictures. <clears throat> Before I left, I said, oh, here, take this DNA test. He yeah. took it in front of me. He's like, whatever, I have nothing to hide. He accepted me wholeheartedly, but yeah. just as another person that he could like. Tell a story to. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, got out of there, had an enormous headache. But it was like such a relief to like yeah. have done it yeah. and then get on with my trip. So we, Sharon, my childhood friend came, we rented a car, we drove to the first person we went to was my grandmother's last surviving sister, Mm -hmm. uh, who was in her 90s and lives with her daughter, who is my father's first cousin. Um, And it was the loveliest thing. And she said, well, this is a great way to go out. No. With the last, with the with a connection to my late sister. Oh, so she basically said, "I'm so happy to die with this information wow. having have met you." It was the t- most touching thing. Even though I'm wow. like, "Don't say go out." Yeah, um, did that. There was a uh, there was an aunt that confronted me and said, um, uh, "You have this picture in your tree. You're not supposed. You have no right to that picture." And she was connected to a cousin who had contacted me on Ancestry, uh-huh. uh, who had seen that I have this picture. Uh-huh. And she said, I didn't own this picture and I had no right to it. It was my, of a second or third great grandmother whose husband had attempted to kill her and committed suicide. Oh, okay. And the picture was in there and she'd written me saying, you have no right to this picture and you shouldn't put that out there. There are people in the family oh. that still, it happened literally. I was going like 100 years Yeah, years it happened ago, in 1903. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm like, it's <laughs> kind of yeah, history. We all have that. Yeah, yeah right. We all have that, exactly. Right. But so she confronted me, wow. which was very uncomfortable. Wow. But I was Jesus. like, yeah, okay. And my, my, I had some cousins that I kind of bonded with. They're like, what's happening over there? <laughs> anyway... Um, and it's New Year's. I get an email from 23andMe. Mm-hmm. My DNA results are in. I look at it. Malcolm's DNA results are there. He is 100% not my father. I knew oh it. My oh, God. No. oh, my sociopath God. Oh, my God. The sociopath is not your father. Like, all that work. Wait a second. <laughs> what? But also, yay. What? Also, yay. <laughs> but then you had bonded with this girl yep. who's not your sister. Yep. And then all those people you saw all were your people. Great. I outed the murder-suicides. Oh, that, that, <laughs> I'd yes. done that. I'd, I'd you know, shit-talked my they, father. They weren't related to you at all? Nope. Not at all. Not one. So what happened? Think of all the all the dirty laundry you brought to the yep. surface for them mm-hmm. to work on, though, for the oh next, my God. you know, to process. 20 years. <laughs> right. But there was a picture of him with your mom. In they this were book. together. They were together. So once. Wh- what went wrong? Did your mom name the wrong person? Was the guy who was her husband actually your dad? So Is that it? The guy who said happens. couldn't raise another person's baby. I mean, so I immediately call her, and she answered. Actually, John answered, and I said, "Hi, it's Julie. Can I talk to Lynn?" She answered. I said, "Are you uh, are you in a place where you can be by yourself? Because <laughs> you got like, some explaining no. to said, do." Yeah. Why don't you go for a walk around the block? And she's like, "All right." 
So she goes, she goes, okay, I'm outside. And I said, okay, um, here's a weird thing. <laughs> Malcolm's DNA doesn't match mine. And she says, that is weird. <laughs> that was as outraged as she was. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is weird. And I'm like, no, seriously, he is not my father, Lynn. Uh-huh. And she's like, well, he has to be. There was never anybody else. I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't care whether you did or not, but there was clearly somebody yeah. else. And she says, it, it wasn't. I said, well, it must be John, Lynn. Uh-huh. And because they started dating. I'm like, maybe you had a miscarriage. And then got pregnant again. Ah, mm-hmm. gotcha. That would make sense. And and are really bad at counting. I don't know. But um, she's like, I don't think so. But, you know, I don't know. I'm like, well, I'm going to send him a test. She's okay. like, all right. So I start building out his part of the tree. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> thinking it's no. got to be him. You didn't learn your lesson? Nope. <sighs> so I start building it out. It comes back not related to okay. you. Okay. Yeah. So now I'm the Immaculate Conception. Yes. Yes. You are Jesus Christ. I am. <laughs> Thank you. So I um, I just start. It, it, and now it's infuriating. Yeah. That. You just bonded with all these yes. strangers. Yes, that I did. I spent all that money, all that time, uh, all of that. And oh she has been God. just telling me all these years, this is your father, this is your father, this is your father. So I keep talking to her. I keep saying, think, <laughs> isn't yeah. there, wasn't there. So she would tell me a story about a boyfriend and it was uh-huh. always, but we never slept together. So I would, but I would be like, mm-hmm. who was, what was that guy's mm-hmm. name? Blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. I would find that guy's family oh. and I would contact them <laughs> and, and do a whole I would tree send on them. them a test. Okay. I tested two complete strangers. Okay. And they did that, it. That were, and they did it. That were connected to these to these people yeah. that because she had told me stories that I took as a clue. Okay. Ugh. Oh, you yeah. didn't test the fathers. You just tested people related to the fathers. Exactly. I mean, they weren't the fathers, but the guys she had dated. Actually, one of the fathers I did test. Okay. Did I? <laughs> yeah, I think I did. I tested the sister of one of them because he was deceased. You're going to have to just start going through her high school the whole yearbook. entire, yeah. Well, it was after way after high school, though. Oh, right. She was, she was 21. Auburn, right? Yeah, she was older. Right. I forgot. I started, she worked in a hospital. She was a nurse. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, did she date an anesthesiologist? Maybe somebody knocked her out. And it was literally, I, I went through. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. I, it was ridiculous. Finally, I realized the only, this is when I started getting into genetic genealogy. And I realized the only way I'm going to ever get my answer is to get a close enough DNA match. Right. That can put me there. So I started learning how to do genetic genealogy. Okay. And it took a year and a half to two years. Finally, one day, I got a 300 and something match, which, which is about a first cousin once removed. Oh, okay. And my mentors talked me through it and how to build it out and connect it to my other matches. And I got down to, I, fin- I figured out which side of that match's family I was from by his tree and by my other matches. And I got down to uh, I'd what we call triangulated both of his great grandparents in my matches, which means oh. I have matched to that grandparent and that grandparent, which means I connected both of those lines, so I have matches on. So some whoever I'm related to is below that couple. Right. Got it. So uh, got down to one couple and. They had th- four sons originally, two of which were alive when 
um, I was uh, conceived. Right. Mm -hmm. And I knew it had to be one of the two of them. Wow. Gotcha. Told him, told the the match. Um, he connected me with the son of one of them, uh-huh. who I then had to explain this whole thing to. Oh, gosh. Uh, he is probably the greatest thing that has ever happened to me in my life. Oh. He is the brother I never had. He is an amazing human being that is the gift that keeps on giving. This is the son of your father? Yes. Okay. And we know for sure now that this is... Well... <laughs> Or he's just some dude. <laughs> some dude. So I tell him the whole story. He says, well, I guess I'll just take a test. Okay. His father died in 2009. Oh. I, I'm lucky enough that uh, one of my cousins has a bunch of books from my grandfather that he had transposed letters from my father to him into these books that mm-hmm. he had written to him all during the 60s. Wow. And she would send, she would take a picture of one and send me a page a day of these oh. letters from my father. And the way that he what wrote, a gift. I know, they are a gift. The way that he wrote was the way that I write. Very stream of consciousness and not taking yourself too seriously. But you know what I mean? Like it was very conversational. Wow. That was a gift. And he most likely had no idea you existed. I'm sure he didn't. So we are now, I was born, I'll I'll say, I was born in 1965. Oh, sorry. I was born in 1965 and I, uh, so I was conceived in August of 1964, July or August of Uh 1964. It is now April, May of 1964. These letters are still coming. I'm like... Oh, it's good. I'm gonna. It's he's gonna to, talk about my mother, right? Yeah. because he's talking about girls that he's going out with. Right. He likes nurses. My mother was a nurse. Whoa. He goes dancing. He's like, yeah, just. And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's gonna happen. Um, May probably I is the last one I get. The next one I get, it's October, uh, and he's on a boat to England. Oh, for God's sake! Oh man. What happened? It's like there's a whole missing. What happened yeah. to June to October? Oh my! Isn't that God. crazy? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the missing diary. The missing. Dun, dun, dun. So, and I'm again. I I can only hope that yeah. maybe. It, it but you have a relationship with Rob, and that's I have lovely. a relationship with Rob. I have two other brothers and a sister who doesn't acknowledge me. Oh, um, she's exactly eleven months younger than me. So he had knocked up his girlfriend after he came back from England and married her right away, which is why Rob is like, oh, if he'd known your your mom was pregnant, he would have married her. Uh, Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha crazy so I, many twists so and many turns. twists so many, and turns. i know i love it and so much and you found a passion of genetic and i found a new career it, which i have a whole new vocation fascinating so if, if people want to use your services they, to find people what yes, did they do they can go to cutoffgenes.com that's cut your jeans. podcast that's my podcast if you go there it's my business cutoff jeans investigations it's my blog and it's a link to the podcast which is cutoff jeans and it's g-e-n-e-s of yes, course cutoff jeans all over um that's amazing. Such a great <laughs> tale. Holy moly. Well, we just can't thank you that enough. Was, yeah. This was a fascinating <laughs> tale. I will I will be dreaming about it. I will be thinking about Malcolm. He's my oh, um Malcolm, I just, not my dad. Malcolm, not my dad. Is Malcolm, what I not my dad. Oh Malcolm my god. Not her dad. Yes. Um, thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much, Thanks for having me, guys. I'm so happy to get this to do was this. Such a blast. Yes. Check out our podcast, everyone. Yes. Cut off out. jeans. And we will be right back with what we learned today. Mm-hmm. Danielle. Christine. Are you ready to learn what we learned? Yes. 
be aware that the very cult you are researching may own and operate the websites <laughs> or sources you are using. Right. Watch out your wine might be the product of a cult. Like a vault. Yeah. Cheers. Manoshevitz. The Glomar was a Soviet diesel electric submarine, K-129. It sank in the Pacific Ocean, 1,560 miles northwest of Hawaii on March 8, 1968. The USS Halibut identified the wreck site, and the CIA crafted an elaborate and highly secret plan to recover the submarine for intelligence purposes. I have a well, actually. It's sort of a well, actually. It was based on, I believe it was last week's episode, we were talking about Jimmy Smith's. Yes. And I, of course... Victor Fuentes said he was he Victor Fuentes, yes. and then I forgot to say his character's name on L.A. Law. I mean, on NYPD Blue, and I drove home, and I'm like, Bobby Simone. <laughs> I just completely forgot to say it, so I don't want people to not think that I know both Victor Fuentes and Bobby Simone because I very, very clearly do. You know, I've been upset about that <laughs> since last week. <laughs> I know no one cares about me, but me, but I just I have oh, to say it. I think a lot of people care. Yeah. I think a lot of people have Jimmy Smith's feelings. <laughs> As always, remain. remain. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, remember to remain calm. I don't know what I was saying. Remain. Okay. And as always, remain, remain calm. calm. <laughs>